0: We ran it on QI a few years ago. Yeah. um, Which was, there's no such thing as a fish. You mean there's no such thing as a fish? No, seriously. It's in the Oxford Dictionary of Underwater Life. It says it right there, first paragraph no such thing as a fish.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly QI podcast coming to you from our offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber and the three other elves joining me today are James Harkin, Anna Chazinski, and Andy Murray. Once again, we're gathering around the microphone and we're going to share with each other our favorite facts from the last seven days. So, in no particular order, here are the best things we found out this week. James, we're going to start with you. Fact number one.
0: Okay. Um, My fact this week is if the new Godzilla existed, it would produce 12.9 million gallons of urine a day. That's more urine than the Exxon Valdez spilled oil. How many
1: times does Godzilla go a day? That's not one bash, is it? Well, some animals go
0: all the time. Like voles, I think, just urinate the whole time. <laughs> really? They're just consistently <laughs> yeah. urinating? Well, actually, you're consistently urinating, but it's uh, <laughs> what? It, uh, your kidneys trickle out a milliliter of urine every minute. But obviously, you can store it in your bladder. But um, voles, I'm pretty sure they they just always wow. let it go. And then... Um, s- birds of prey can sometimes see these uh, tracks of urine, and that's what helps them find the voles.
1: Ah, because they're just constantly living, leaving a piss trail, basically. Yeah.
0: What's weird, though, right, is that if Godzilla were, if the
2: new Godzilla were real, he would take the same amount of time to urinate as the rest of us do, yeah. right? Because hasn't new research shown that all animals take roughly the same amount of time to, to wee to <laughs> we? wee?
0: 21 seconds, I think, on average? It's all um, mammals over a certain size, I think, so I'm not sure that Godzilla is a mammal. Did someone find out that
1: most dogs urinate in the same direction? Yes. That they face north or they north face...
0: West. Is that true? Um, well, is it true? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I think it was dogs defecating uh, according to the Earth's magnetic field, if I remember the study correctly. Um, I didn't look into it t- into too much detail to see how true it is, but, um, yeah, it was definitely claimed. There is, there is
3: an article <laughs> online saying that... Do- this is the headline. Dogs have a butt compass... Which is the most unpleasant <laughs> phrase I've heard for a long time. Yeah,
0: less convenient to carry around than a compass as well.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but it would be convenient if you were lost with your dog. With your dog, absolutely. Yeah. If you were, for example, going to the North Pole, and you lost your you lost your compasses, say, and it's a featureless environment, you just have to look yeah, at the dogs and they keep Rover has Rover's working. taking a piss yeah. in that yeah. direction. <laughs> it's
0: true, and if you had, like, five or six dogs, and they all started peeing, but they were all facing nuzzle to nuzzle yes. in a big circle. It means you're exactly there. Yeah. Oh. fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So
2: we agree that Godzilla definitely isn't a mammal.
1: Originally
0: Godzilla, the initial idea
1: for Godzilla, that it was half gorilla, half whale. Oh, really? And that's where the word Godzilla mm. comes from. Gojira is a combination. And that's where the name, it's the two words smashed together, gorilla whale. When they actually made the movie, they did make it into a, a reptile, dinosaur,
3: prehistoric Sort of monster. Well, one of the guys wanted it to be a giant octopus called Udako, which is very close to Okado, which would have been good.
1: Okay, and what, what, what was it used in? Was it used in a go- Just, Godzilla versus. No, it
0: was used to deliver groceries. <laughs> in the
3: 1954 one. Yeah. Um, which is the original. Yeah, the sound of Godzilla roaring was made by rubbing a, a leather glove up and down a double bass strings. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. strange. I really like lo-fi yeah. solutions to problems. So yeah. in, Ju- in Jurassic Park, the sound was, I think, tortoises mating.
0: Yeah. The new Godzilla is massive, isn't he? Like, much bigger than the old Godzillas.
3: Okay. I think that's interesting, the scaling up that happens yeah. over the years. The um, bigger and bigger.
0: The um, website where I found how much urine they produce um, was deepseanews.com, and it was um, a post by a guy called Dr. M. I don't know what his real name was. Um, and he, as well as working out the urine, he also um, worked out how much bigger it's gotten in the last 50 oh, really? years. And um, the 1954 Godzilla was 50 meters tall, uh, but the new Godzilla is about 150 meters tall. And his idea, his theory is that the reason that it's gotten bigger is because skyscrapers has, have gotten bigger, and the Godzilla has to be big enough to crush the skyscrapers. Right.
2: It's quite That's interesting.
0: very isn't interesting. It? Yeah. I
2: love that. That's. Um Yeah, it's adapting. It's evolution. It's very fast evolution. Well,
0: it could be evolution. It could be sexual selection. So the Lady Godzillas (laughs) like male Godzillas who can crush buildings, and so they have to get bigger.
1: So that's suggesting that there is a Lady Godzilla.
0: Or that this one isn't a lady. I think that in in Japanese they just call it it. They don't say it's male or female. Oh, so
1: we've never known if it was a male or female. Not to my knowledge. I just
3: think there's a general inflation that goes on. With the next film you have to have something even bigger. And it's just run away and away.
0: This guy worked it out um, that it's getting bigger on a logarithmic scale. And he (sighs) said if they do another one in 2050, then um, the Godzilla will be 288.4 meters tall. Do you guys know what
1: uh, Godzilla breathes out of his mouth?
2: Yeah, isn't it? Doesn't he breathe, like, nuclear clouds?
1: It's atomic breath. Atomic that's, breath. That's oh, Godzilla. No, yeah, it's well, not Godzilla fire. Was a... we all, I, I thought it was fire,
3: certainly.
2: You think everything is fire. You think the sun is fire, Dan?
0: <laughs> I cannot
3: believe that that is... I'd like to back Dan up. I also still think the sun is on fire. Um, oh,
2: but yeah, God. wasn't wasn't Godzilla initially a sort of comment on Hiroshima and Nagasaki? That was why it was. Uh, it was It had all these nuclear com- connotations.
3: It was. It's interesting that... The way Godzilla is defeated, certainly in the last film, is with military weapons, whereas the whole point of Godzilla is it's a metaphor for nuclear bombs, you know, the most devastating weapons we could come up with. So it's kind of missing the point if you
0: just attack him with weapons capable of dealing with So we should have beaten him with, like, a peace treaty.
3: Yeah, or like in the War of the Worlds, where the, the aliens catch the common cold.
2: Do you think Godzilla would have been as popular amongst like 10 to 15 year old boys if the second half of the film had been like a Potsdam round the table peace treaty <laughs> chat?
0: <laughs> or oh, just a load of people tried to sneeze on him. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, can you repeat your last demand? <gasps>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I really like about your fact James which I know you enjoy doing and I, doing it, I like doing it as well is the fact that we, when you get like an original fact and you work it out and it reminded me of uh, your, one I think you found in 1339 Facts to make your jaw drop which is that the Statue of Liberty wears a size 879 shoes oh, yeah. so I have worked out the shoe size of godzilla have you now it's the 50 meter godzilla so it's the original so he wears uk size 1680 shoes which sounds weird because he's only a little bit taller in fact the 50 meter is is smaller than the statue of liberty but he has bigger feet, so they, there was a press release at the time Wait, which wh- uh, gave the measurements of his one, feet. Did you say 1680? 1680. So in
3: US yeah. size, that's 1679.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's important to get those yeah. sorted out. Yeah, yeah, Because the new Godzilla is um, quite a lot bigger than the other one, a lot of Japanese superfans are really upset that the Americans have just made him fat. So Godzilla's overweight. Yeah. That's a problem. They're saying, like, it's fat from the neck downwards and massive at the bottom. This is what um, Godzilla superfan Fumiko Abe told the AFP at a Tokyo exhibition. But then um, they they had the premiere, I think, a couple of weeks ago, and um, Gareth Edwards, who we have met, who was... Gareth
1: Edwards came... So the director of the latest Godzilla movie was on Museum of Curiosity, our radio show. He told us at the time that he was going to be doing Godzilla, but it wasn't announced.
0: Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't remember that. Very exciting. Um, but um, they asked him at the premiere what he thought about these Japanese people um, saying that Godzilla had got very fat. And he said, I just think it's comments like that that give giant monsters an image complex. <laughs> 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 it's such a great comeback. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to
1: fact number two, and that one's yours, Anna.
2: Yeah, this is one of uh, my favourite things I've ever found. It's that the real Long John Silver from Treasure Island was father to the real Wendy Darling from Peter Pan. The real Long John Silver. The guy on whom Long John Silver is based, a guy called William Ernest Henley, who was a poet and he wrote the poem Invictus, by far the most famous thing he did. Was that um, Nelson Mandela's favourite one? Yes. Uh, Yes, and Barack Obama quoted it, didn't he? The last verse of it at his funeral.
1: uh, Mandela supposedly read it in prison to everyone, and that got them all kind of, you know, staying positive. It's a
2: fantastic poem.
1: So that's his most famous poem, This Guy. Uh,
2: Yes, which um, just, I don't know if this will ever go in, but I do really like the last verse, which is It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul um it is a great poem a
1: so that was a poem written by the man who Long John Silver was based on
2: yeah that's right so he was this like full of life guy had only one leg and Robert Louis Stevenson just thought he was this great guy I wrote him a letter after writing Treasure Island saying i've got to be honest with you i based long john silver on you um because i find you you know such an incredible chap wow. has anyone read treasure island yes is... i have
1: it's I think... extraordinary that we've read it at all because for a long time no one read his books robert louis stevenson was seen as just a terrible author, to the point that when, when in 1973, they published a 2,000-page Oxford anthology of English literature, he wasn't mentioned in it at all. And now he's one of the 26 most translated authors in the world, above Edgar Allan Poe and Oscar Wilde, but for a long time, no one read him.
3: Bizarre. I don't know much about him. I know he died on Samoa. Yes, he's on their postage stamps. And he drank a lot of Guinness, is the only other thing I know about Robert Louis Stevenson. On Samoa, he had it
0: shipped out to him. Wow, that's a long way to ship out Guinness. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I remember I tried to find the furthest um, Irish pub from um, (laughs) Dublin, and I reckon it's Waxy O'Shea's in um, New Zealand. So even from there, it's a long way to Samoa.
3: Yeah. (laughs) It must be strange having somebody based on you. Years ago, I researched a guy called Lord Burners, who was an early 20th century aristocrat and eccentric. He built one of the last follies in Britain. You know, those towers that go nowhere and are completely pointless. He built one of those. And then he put it at the bottom a sign saying, members of the public committing suicide off this tower, do so at their own risk. (laughs) He was a very, very funny guy. But he wrote a novel in which he based all of the characters on his friends, but he also cast it as a a lesbian schoolgirl story. And one of the characters in it, uh, Sitwell, was so angry that he tried to buy every copy of this book in circulation to destroy it.
0: That's a really good way to get good sales, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, pretty much.
2: <laughs> isn't that what Alfred Hitchcock did when he uh, released I think it was Psycho, he bought up as many copies of the novel Psycho as he possibly could because yeah. he didn't want yeah. the ending to be given away. Yeah. Was it Psycho? Yeah, well, Psycho, ah, yeah it have been? It was Psycho. Yeah. You know
0: the um do you know who Psycho is based on? Yes, it's based on the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yep, guy. It's based on the same guy as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, It Silence of the Lambs and Psycho, they're all based on the same guy called Ed Gein. Oh wow! He yeah. was a big, se- famous serial killer. So in, in a real America. gift to, you know, screenplay writers yeah, at least. Exactly. Yes,
2: thank you, Ed,
0: <laughs> But the. Uh, <laughs> if you look at it one way, um, it means there are fewer psychos out there than you think, if they're all based on this same one guy.
2: Yeah, yeah, no. that's true. Yeah. Or he just had such a such a variety of fictional type quirks.
0: There must be other
3: psychopaths going. Why does he get all the gigs? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I'm doing some right.
3: great killings. And here. Yeah. Has he won a single Oscar? No. Yeah. Another example <laughs> of the Academy getting it. No, um.
0: Well, Science a one best picture, but he did. My point is, was he invited to the ceremony? What are you wearing today, Ed? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm wearing my mother. <laughs> <laughs> the nipples um, of all my oh victims <laughs> in a belt in um, a,
1: on a lighter note
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, just to take us away
1: from nipple wearing, when I was looking into Long John Silver, I found a porn star <laughs> who has a similar name when you were looking into Long John Silver <laughs> uh, so his name's Long Dong Silver oh, and God. Of course. Long Dong Silver he's a retired porn star now uh, but he was famed, obviously, for the apparent size of his penis, uh, which it turned out that uh, he was using a fake penis during the shoots, which no one really knew about. Um, he persuaded a makeup artist who did the makeup for the film The Elephant Man to create a prosthetic, uh, I
0: wonder if she, if they thought, well, you know, we've got a trunk. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the Elephant Man didn't have a trunk. No, no, either. that would have been that would have been the makeup
1: artist going. I've done the trunk, and they go, no, he's not physically an Elephant <laughs> Man. What am I going to do with this trunk?
2: Do you think I should quickly explain the um, Wendy connection as yes, well? Yes. So we don't. Um, William Henry was the father to Margaret Henley, who was one of the girls who J.M. Barry. So he he loved playing the children. He was always. He loved spending time with children. Um, And he used to hang out in Kensington Gardens and entertain the kids and tell them stories. And Margaret Henley was one of the girls who used to hang out there with him. And she was the person who called him Fwendy, wasn't she? Fwendy Wendy. Fwendy Wendy, which is where um, we think he
0: got the name Wendy for Peter Pan. Is it
3: right that Wendy was not a name before he came up? with It was a
0: very popular name at all, but there are some examples before him.
3: The original title of the novel which um, Peter Pan first appeared in, Was going to be The Boy Who Hated Mothers. (laughs) It's pretty dark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, And J.M. Barry was nicknamed the Furry Beast by his friends. Yeah. Yeah. He was very, very short and very hirsute. He also
1: uh, loved to play cricket, right? Yeah. And this is extraordinary. His cricket team. Have you seen his cricket team? The Allah
2: Hackburys. Yeah, Yeah.
1: the (laughs) the people on it. (laughs) This was his team. H.G. Wells, Rudyard Kipling, Arthur Conan Doyle, P.G. Woodhouse, Jerome K. Jerome, G.K. Chesterton... A.A. A. Milne and others that was his cricket team and others
3: yeah. <laughs> there's, and there's plenty more very famous yeah. names there are on that so list. Many. but the thing is they were, they were a terrible team and he printed a book of advice for them um, which had little tips it was in 1893 like don't practice on an opponent's ground before the match begins this can only give them confidence uh, <laughs> or should you hit the ball run at once do not stop to cheer <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Time to move on to fact number three, and that is, I believe, my fact. My fact this week is that the tinfoil hats that conspiracy theorists wear uh, in order to stop the government from sending messages into their brain Uh, actually does the opposite. It amplifies the signal, almost to the point that if there were a thousand people in a crowd and they were the one with the tinfoil hat, that's the only brain that would actually get the brain messages. It's like a huge antenna that they're wearing. How do we
0: even know that?
1: Well, it was a study by a bunch of students in America who just wanted to look into the myth, I guess, because people were doing it. No one had actually checked it out before. And obviously we don't know how to send messages into people's brains or take them out. Uh, as far as I know, James is shaking your head as if we do. Um,
0: we don't, yeah, but they're working on it. There's been studies done in the last couple of years where people have thought about a word and people have been able to work out what word they were thinking about by measuring their brainwaves.
2: Um, but they would work if they were made properly, right? So they are, they are meant to be a Faraday cage, which stops um, ele- like electricity passing through it.
3: If it fully covered the head and properly tightly fitted it, then uh, electromagnetic radiation could not get in. But as it is... If it's worn loosely or design- sort of, you know, just a skull cap, mm-hmm. then it gets in. But I, lo- I love the idea that you would make one that was so good that the government couldn't get in. But also, then you would immediately asphyxiate. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> uh, did you guys know that the Vatican used a Faraday cage in 2013 to shield the Sistine Chapel from eavesdro- eavesdropping? Um, so no one could hear who they were electing as pope because there was a, I think in 2003 was it the pope before that was elected? Uh, it was there was a leak in Germany and so they put
0: a Faraday cage in the wow oh, a massive
3: tinfoil uh, cardinals cardinal yeah. hands. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: that's great have you guys heard of stealth wear no. Um, no. this is a company um, who make clothes that make the wearers invisible to infrared surveillance cameras particularly those on drones um, oh. so the idea wow. is that you wear these clothes and drones can't see you and it's supposed to be make you safe say you were being infiltrated by the American government who were looking at you with drones they won't be able to see you see you anymore. They make uh, hoodies, they make full-length burkas in this kind of material. The burka goes for $2,300, the hoodie is $481, um, but unfortunately, due to the high cost and limited availability, so far they've only sold one item, a scarf.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I know where we should put all the secrets. In my neck.
0: (laughs) Swallow them, but not completely. (laughs) Speaking um, Speaking of hats... Um useful hats um, the following uh, quote is from radiologist richard Gerstel's nineteen fifty book How to Survive an Atomic Bomb. He said, If you are caught outdoors in a sudden attack, a hat will give you at least some protection from the heat <laughs> flash <laughs>
3: When but. I say some...
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true, you probably
3: could mathematically calculate how much it gives you, it's just that it won't...
2: <laughs> it will by no means save your life <laughs> under any circumstances.
3: This is amazing. No army at the start of the First World War gave their soldiers metal helmets. Really? It took until 1915 and thousands and thousands of deaths before they said... "You know, The wow. German army had uh, leather just little leather caps called uh, Picklehalben. Wow. Not, not until 1915 did pe- people start making these helmets. And we have the image of the helmet from the First World War, the kind of shallow, again, innovated for the First World War. Didn't um, um, Francis Galton, who was, I believe, a, um,
1: a relative of Charles Darwin, yeah. um, he invented a hat, didn't he? Yeah, it was a hat that had an, an air conditioning device in it. <laughs> Or a little flap that opened the top, oh, because yeah. he had, it was the idea that if you thought too much about stuff, your head overheated.
2: It does explain why my hair is always sinned. <laughs> <laughs> Weird hats, you mentioned. When was it dangerous to wear a hat? Why am I phrasing, phrasing this like a QI <laughs> question? Because I reckon that you'll get it, James. Where, when constantly. was it
0: dangerous? In hmm. Stockport, you used, to be a, you used to be attacked if you weren't wearing a hat, because they had the hat industry uh, was quite big there, and they thought it was unpatriotic to the to the town if you what were actually, not. actually attacked. Yeah, not by just like, like verbally or in print well, people or... throw things at you. Whoa, yeah, mean, but so, not as on. mean
2: as the straw hat riots. So in the early 20th century <laughs> in New York, past September the 15th, it was socially unacceptable to wear a straw hat. It was a summer item. Um, and if you wore a straw hat past September the 15th, then it was traditional for youths to come along and knock your hat off your head and trample on it. And in 1922, it got out of hand. So the straw hat rioters decided to start knocking people's hats off their head a bit early, and I think they approached a bunch of dock workers who were wearing straw hats on September the 13th, knocked the hats off, trampled them, started a fight, huge fight, riot, lasted three days, a bunch of people ended up in hospital. Disaster. And in 1924, a guy was murdered for wearing a straw hat after September the 15th. Oh, so it was wow. a dangerous business, actually. Three days of fighting. Three days of fighting. Days of riots, the Straw Hat riots.
3: One last thing on conspiracy theories. Okay. I like the randomness of them, because they're often so connected, but often they also have very strange outposts. So I found a list of conspiracy theories online, and this was 16 conspiracy theories that have been proved to be true. Someday scientists will use millions of genetically modified animals in experiments. Scientists all over the world are creating bizarre human-animal hybrids. Obama is making government employees spy on one another. And pro-wrestling is fake. It's number seven on this list (laughs) Wow Um, Shall we move on? Sorry, sorry, sorry We were brothers and sisters before Literary brothers and sisters And family connections The guy who came up with The first ever tin hat Was Julian Huxley Who was the brother of Aldous Huxley No. Yeah, it was in a short story Called The Tissue Culture King um, About a scientist who Is lost in a jungle kingdom And he offers to culture the king's flesh So the subjects can worship him In their home and then this allows the king to exert telepathic power over the entire kingdom. And in that story, he says, we used caps of metal foil, which reduced the effect on ourselves. But it started oh. as a fiction, in oh, a short story. Wow. That is great.
1: Okay, uh, moving on to our final fact of the show, and that is
3: Andy. My fact is that geese sometimes fly upside down to lose height quickly when they're mm. coming into land rather than do, doing a long slow descent they just it's like a shortcut for them like a life hack but the gr- best thing is they flip their body upside down but their head and neck stay the right way up <laughs> so they do a twist yeah. so that it l- just looks weird it looks like really a... bizarre you see the, the, fr- the neck and the head are perfect you know and then they've got this weird upside down body flapping away beneath them Tricky. yeah That's... and this is called whiffling so mm. great nice i know <laughs> he's
1: the only animal to do that
3: I think there are a few others which do it.
1: The description I read is that they, it looks like they're a falling leaf. Yeah, there's good like
3: footage, it. which we can put up online on the podcast page. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and there are amazing photos of it being captured mid-flight. Yeah. Uh, it looks brilliant. Yeah, so I started looking up um, things about flying upside down. Oh, yeah. And planes which are flown upside down.
0: There was that movie, wasn't there? Um, Flight. Flight <laughs> with Denzel, Denzel Washington, Washington. Washington. Yeah, but... the Robert
3: Zermhekis um, I movie. got distracted. This fact should be a lot better research, but I got distracted watching a 10-minute clip. From flight
0: was it the bit at the start where he crashes? (laughs) He flies upside down. Yeah, it was was that. Did you see that Boeing issued a statement after um, after the film came out and they said the MD80 cannot sustain inverted flight? The MD80, as with all commercial airliners, was designed to fly upright. So that was a bit. You know, do you remember that um, plane that flew under Tower Bridge? Oh yeah, remember that? that? No. Yeah, you must remember it. I remember
3: the Arc de Triomphe one. Go on. Well, in uh, 1919, someone flew a biplane through the Arc de Triomphe. And the Arc de Triomphe is big, but it's not that big. No. And it was, it was the wingspan of the plane, plus a, maybe a metre on either side. Wow. It's wow. such cool footage, and we can put that up online yeah, as well. Yeah, let's put that up. Yeah,
0: it's amazing. The, um, the guy who flew under uh, Tower Bridge I was talking about, um, this guy was called Hawker Hunter, and he um, flew under Tower Bridge on the 5th of April 1968 he did it as a he flew across the thames as a demonstration against Harold Wilson's government um and he was struck off from the RAF for it i think and um Weirdly, there was a quote from him um, when they asked him about it, and he said he was he was flying down um, the Thames, and he said until this very instant, I had absolutely no idea that, of course, Tower Bridge would be there.
2: <laughs>
0: Where did he think it was going to be? I don't. <laughs> uh,
1: just going back to animals in the air very quickly. So uh, geese flying upside down. Um, this is something that I've I've I found out weeks ago, and I've mentioned it to you guys a bunch before, but we haven't said it on the podcast. Uh, It's about ladybirds. I mean, this really surprised me. That Recent research has shown that ladybirds, who were thought to have only flown at a height of, say, our shoulders, an average human's shoulder height, actually have been found flying at the height of 3,600 feet. Mm -hmm. And they travel as fast as 37 miles per hour, and they can go as far as 74 miles in one journey. Do Do
3: Do you know how they find them? What do you mean? They, well, they they originally found this out, because obviously you've got, you've got to be at that height to find one. So they sent up planes with sticky panes and saw what they got. That was, that was very early experience. That was biplanes.
2: <laughs> when you try to swat a fly, you know how you, you try to swat it and you're definitely going to get it. It looks barely conscious, and then it gets away and you don't understand how. And apparently this is because the moment they see you coming, they do a somersault rather than just falling, and that speeds up their descent. So they just drop into a somersault. You can sort of imagine it, and I wouldn't be able to explain the physics. Maybe you would. Um, and then the, they, you know, pick pick up the air with their wings and fly away.
3: That's so cool. A little somersault. Tennis that's racket, like... that's what you need. Because they can avoid most of the strings, but they can't avoid all of them. <laughs> Good. Sorry to bring the conversation down, but...
0: Unlike tennis balls in my experience. (laughs) Every time I hit it, I do a little cheer (laughs) and then forget to run.
2: (laughs) This might seem unrelated, but on geese... Can we go on geese?
0: I would
1: almost say that's completely related. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, Goose grabbing was very popular as a sport in 17th century New Amsterdam, which obviously became New York. And the way it worked was you smear the neck of a goose with soap or something slippery and you hang the goose upside down. And a bunch of competitors ride towards it on horses. And the aim is to try and rip its head off. Sorry.
0: Do you remember we did What Use is a Goose on QI? (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember that? We yeah, came yeah, up yeah. with loads of different things that you can use ge- geese for. Oh, yeah. Because they were used as guard dogs in ancient Rome and and various different They were used
3: to turn spits in the kitchen. Just grab the handle and turn it around really? slowly in the kitchen. That's great.
0: Yeah. Have you heard of the goose crusade? Um, uh, it was during the crusades. Um, there was a group of crusaders, slightly mad. Um, they somehow managed to believe that a goose was filled with the holy spirit. And so they worshipped him and used him as a guide to find their way to Jerusalem. Check
3: the compass direction every time he did a little goose poo. (laughs) (laughs) That should be east. Um, Wow. I'm still stunned by the cruelty of that. Yeah,
2: well, when James mentioned the Goose Rebellion, I thought, what was it called?
3: The Goose Crusade. Crusade. Why do not they call it Goose Age? because that would be some kind of disgusting age. drink they, they tr- <laughs> oh god yeah. for grass if, life smoothie. You, if life gives you geese make goose age <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay that's it for another podcast that is all of our facts thanks so much everyone for listening uh, if you want to get in touch with us about any of the things that we've said during the course of this show you can get us on our twitter accounts I'm on at Schreiberland Andy at Andrew Hunter M. James. At eggshaped. Anna. Still fighting against the uh, avalanche of requests coming through to yeah. us on Twitter and Facebook to get her on there. Hashtag
0: get Anna on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag
1: bugger off all of you. <laughs> <laughs> so in the meantime, you can get her on at Wikipedia or you can go to the page that she creates for each every single one of these episodes which is qi.com slash podcast and we're going to have pictures and videos and links to all the stuff that we've been talking about in this episode we're going to be back again next week with another set of facts so we'll talk to you then catch you later goodbye